0: Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 98, as we round out our first 100 episodes and lay the groundwork for the next 100, I wanted to bring you conversations with two fascinating doctors, both of whom have their professional work and experiences firmly planted in their perspective as people fighting their own battle against disease. Let me tell you about them in reverse order. Next week, in episode 99, I'm bringing you a conversation with Dr. David Fagenbaum. David is someone I met at the JPM event in January in San Francisco, thanks to an event organized by Michelle Longmire at Medible. Now, at that Medible event, David gave a wonderfully moving account of his personal journey fighting a rare disease. It's one that I'd never heard of before. It's called Castleman disease. It's a rare disease with only about 5,000 people per year being diagnosed in the U.S., David is the author of a book entitled Chasing My Cure, and he's the founder of the Castleman Disease Collaborative Network. That's cdcn.org. In episode 99, he shares his story as he's fought back not once, not twice, but five times from the brink of death. He shares the lessons he's learned while chasing his own cure – And the new collaborative approach he's using to recruit world-class researchers to tackle big research questions he also shares some of the life lessons that he's learned along the way it was a really moving conversation and i hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and tune in to episode 99. before that in this episode number 98 we have a conversation with another medical doctor and another fascinating human being she's using her own experience with type 1 diabetes to help millions of people experience better care While we're searching for a cure, Dr. Jennifer Schneider is the president of Livongo. Now, you may remember that I spoke to the founder and executive chairman of Livongo, Glenn Tallman, just recently in episode 94. Well, I was so interested in the work they're doing at Livongo that I asked for a chance to sit down with Jenny Schneider when we were both in Las Vegas for the HLTH conference. Jenny was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes over 30 years ago. She's had an amazing career, having been a key part of two leadership teams as both companies have gone public. The most recent one, Livongo, which went public in July 2019, was the most successful IPO of a digital health company in history. She's also an athlete, the author of a book entitled Decoding Health Signals, and the proud parent to three wonderful children. She writes in her book that her goal at Livongo is to create a system of health and health care... That they will inherit and be proud of, and no doubt benefit from. You can get all the show notes, including the link to Jenny's book called Decoding Health Signals, by going to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash ninety eight. You can also get this podcast and hundreds of others by going to the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll automatically get the next episode with Dr. David Faschenbaum when it goes live next Tuesday. And without further ado, Let's tune into the conversation with Dr. Jenny Schneider. Hi, I'm Dan Kendall. I'm here at the health event at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Today's October 29th, 2019. And I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Schneider. Jenny is the president of Livongo and also the author of Decoding Health Signals, Silicon Valley's consumer first approach to a new era of health. Jenny, thanks very much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: Jenny, I've got a lot of questions. Good. I was listening to this book on the way over here. And uh, I've gone about halfway through and I am just completely enthralled by your personal story. So I want to talk about what's happening at Livongo and the mission that you're leading there as president. But I also want to talk about your personal story because this is really powerful about why this is so important to you as a person, and as a leader. So can you give us a little insight about your origin story?
1: Absolutely. Um, So when I was 12, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and that was a pretty big shock to my family. We had not heard or knew very much about that. I was my height. I had lost about 35 pounds, spent about four days in the intensive care unit. And throughout that journey, really from the get-go, had a doctor, uh, Dr. Roger Nelson, an endocrinologist at the Mayo Clinic, who really looked and treated me as though I was in control of this. So age 12, my parents kind of let that happen. And from the get-go, I learned that this was something that I was going to do, that I was going to control, and had an opportunity to really put myself in charge. And we didn't use the words empower, and that'll come back to the mission of lavongo but to be empowered, to make this what I wanted it to be. And it was that gift of him giving me, teaching me, and allowing me to be in control that really stimulated a lot of my journey, which then led to going to medical school, led to, you know, digital health companies. But this idea that those of us with conditions can be in charge, it's not the docs, it's not the system, it is actually us and building a system to be able to do that.
0: I'm interested in what you said there because you've gone to Stanford, you're a medical doctor, you've worked in a variety of capacities before you got to a little longer a few years ago. I want to understand a little bit more. Did you have an interest in medicine before? I mean, how did the type one diagnosis actually change the trajectory and some of your decisions in life?
1: It's a great question. So I was a twelve-year-old girl, pretty sure I was going to be a pop singer, right? Where I got to wear like a halter top and be on stage with the tambourine, and then the diagnosis, and that opened up for me a world that I had not known apart from my pediatrician, you know, annual vaccination shots. That there was this, these things that um, people could do and kind of think about, and so I. Absolutely, had an interest in learning my condition, what it took to take care of me, and that opened an interest um, into medical school. I there's a quote from my freshman year of high school where I told someone I was going to be an endocrinologist, and like that was the doctor that I knew. You know, nobody else at 14 probably knows that word unless you have type one diabetes, right? So it it definitely opened up a new view for me.
0: Your book is very descriptive about the journey that you faced as a person with type one diabetes, as a professional, as a mother, and all the different constraints of this condition. And one of the things I was really moved by was the conversation you have in your book around the fact that you're always on. This is a constant companion with all of your decisions. Can you give us some insight about what it's like to have type 1 diabetes in that capacity in terms of the the stamina and the fatigue that it can cause in terms of dealing with it as a person?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting um, concept because you are a 100% on. So every time I pack a bag, I think, do I have carbs? Do I have my meds? Double check, double check. When I go into a room, am I going to be stressed? Is there an exit with, by quote-unquote emergency exit? Is there somewhere where there's carbohydrates? Are there sugar packets on a table? So these are the roles that are always consistently playing throughout my head. And for those of us with type 1 diabetes throughout our heads, like what's the escape route if I get low, right? And that said, you you can't really take a day off However, it also then becomes the norm. I don't know a day, I can't really recall what it was like before January 12th when I was diagnosed, when I didn't have to think about this, it now becomes the norm. There are moments of frustration that I can't do things that other people can do, but I also don't know what that's like anymore. And so I kind of project forward to, because I do believe there's going to be a cure. I do believe I'm going to see a cure during my lifetime. And I project forward to what that will be like. And in my mind, the story that I is I'm going to sit down with a really big plate of white rice and just not care, right? And the carbs will go up, my sugar will go up, but my body will be able to maintain that. That is this, like, liberating moment to me that I would celebrate, you know, when a cure happens.
0: Well, just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with Glenn Tolman, your founder and executive chairman. And he and I shared our bond around being parents of children with type 1 diabetes. And my daughter was very much in your shoes just recently. She's now 12, 9 or 10 months ago. She was uh, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and uh, at the age of 11. And I'm actually seeing some of what you just described in terms of the awakening of this new reality. When she had to put on a, a board what she wanted to be when she grew up, when she was graduating from year 6, she wrote on their health tech designer. And what year 6 person thinks about health tech design is a career, but because of the experience, Exposure to various devices and technologies, and the conversations that we've had at home around what I do for a living, she's had that on the radar. So it's an interesting new data point as she charts her course. But I think what's really important for people who are diagnosed with type one, or people who care about them, is to really understand how it doesn't hold you back, and you are successful in so many areas of your life. Can you give us some idea of some of the things that you've been able to achieve in spite of what some people might say would be something that might hold you back?
1: Yeah, it's a great framework and a great question. And maybe I'll talk a little about myself, but I want to start by saying I almost never use the words I'm sorry when someone's diagnosed with type 1 because I am eager for a cure, but I am not angry that I was diagnosed. I think it gave me insight and a strength and a diligence and a training to deal with my condition that has permeated my life. And there are a number of people with type 1 that become extraordinarily successful. In many ways, I think it is given that diagnosis, this ability to look at your life differently, the skill set that it takes to be able to successfully live with that condition permeates other parts. And so it is the discipline, it is the consistency, you know counting of carbs making sure you're taking your medication Deeply understanding your body and how your body reacts to different components. I remember when I was diagnosed, I got a list of the you can'ts. You can't scuba dive. You can't get a scuba diving lesson. So I immediately signed myself up, got a scuba diving lesson. You can't, you know, fly international without like a letter from your doc around carrying needles. Great, I'll get a letter from my doc. Where's the next international flight? So there are these moments of there like this is what I'm doing, yet I want to do more because I can. And so for me, you know, I'm a driven individual but to put some parameters around really deeply understanding myself and being able to push those limits differently than people who didn't have kind of walls. I am someone who likes to redesign or design within an existing house rather than build a house de novo. When you have an existing house, you know where the walls are and you can creatively think about going around those. And that's a real freedom, right, to have some certain stability around that and figure out how you can maneuver.
0: Brilliant. And you gave the example in your book about a water balloon. Can you explain that analogy?
1: And I said it is very much, living with diabetes is like holding a water balloon where you're squeezed in one direction and you get to expand into different areas in different directions. And if you're not squeezed at all, you don't expand into those different areas in different directions. So again, these quote-unquote misfortunes are really opportunities in life to see things differently through different lenses, appreciate things, and build on the strengths that you you realize in your character by going through so many difficult things.
0: And you also mentioned in your book about how once you're aware of the scale of the problem, you can't help but be part of the solution. So when did you really realize that this was going to be a career path for you? And let's talk about, you know, when you joined Livongo, what was your attraction there about the impact you wanted to make?
1: So I would say first and foremost, I was diagnosed with diabetes. I got really interested in healthcare because of that exposure. I went to medical school and I went to Hopkins Medical School. I told them I wanted to be an endocrinologist because that's all I knew. I got there and I skipped the week where they went over complications for people with diabetes. I couldn't stand to look at all the kidney failures, all the eyes, all the amputations because that was me, and had this desire to understand health care but not diabetes that was a little too personal to come at it. For me, the ability to join Livongo was driven by my experience as someone with diabetes, my profession as a physician, and that tension between I would, I would recommend, make suggestions, prompt people who had diabetes that were my patients, and then I'd go see my doctor and understanding a little bit of that disconnect that I as a doctor felt like I was in charge to make somebody do something and I as the patient knew that it's just me doing it on the outside, independent of what my great doctor was telling me that I'd see him, I have a a male doctor, you know, every so often. So what I loved about Livongo is that for the first time, the technology in diabetes care has allowed us to collect data that's novel and makes collection of data very easy, and that we could use that data to transform the experience for those of us living with the condition to make our lives easier, simpler, more recommendations and nudges all the time, rather than putting the doc at the center and asking the quote-unquote the healthcare system or the doc to be in control. And so I loved this concept across chronic conditions. I have diabetes since joining Livongo. It's probably the first time I've been very open about my diagnosis. Many people didn't know, even when I joined Livongo. It's been a personal, private journey. And so for me, diabetes is interesting, but it's broader than diabetes. It is chronic condition management to be able to do that and nudge people along the way.
0: Yeah. I told my daughter when she was newly diagnosed in the hospital that she has diabetes diabetes doesn't have her and that she can make some of the decisions and I should also point out you're a triathlete right you're very active you you compete and uh, you perform at a very high level so things like that that typically would be difficult to manage with something that's driving your blood's low and you can't regulate very well that's something you've still been able to accommodate for right
1: yeah, that is right I did. I've done one Ironman. I did an Ironman a couple years ago as a bucket list thing for me when I hit 40. But I've been running marathons my whole life. I ran division 1. And I think that there's again this element it's harder to do that because I have to look at insulin, I have to look at carbs, I have to look at exercise. But I also know my body better than most people who don't have to look at that. And so the flip is like my ability to understand and to regulate is really heightened. And so that's again a real gift for me in terms of being able to do that. So I don't look at having diabetes as a stop, as a wall at all. In many ways, I look at it as an accelerator to be better at the things other people do because I spend more time understanding and knowing my body.
0: You were mentioning about the attraction to Livongo and being able to look at all these different data sets and being able to create these nudges. And essentially, that's what you talk about in your book, right? In terms of this new category that you guys have developed in terms of applied health signals. So can you tell us what that means and how this is being applied within Livongo as a business, but also how it affects people?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question, so we decided to give ourselves a new category because what we've been able to do in healthcare for our members is radically different and it doesn't fit into digital health or, you know, population health management for chronic conditions. We flipped the whole paradigm. If you think about other industries, if you think about Google, Google created a new category around content, Amazon around commerce, Facebook around community, and we're doing that for care in healthcare. So we flipped the traditional healthcare arena on its head and designed for the person living with a chronic condition not the healthcare docs the system out the gate, but really for that person, putting that person at the center. And what we've been able to accomplish is through our engine, we call it our AI, AI engine, we aggregate data in the ecosystem, blood glucose, blood pressure, medical claims, pharmacy claims, demographic, social determinants of health. We interpret that data to try to say, Dan, what is the next best action you could take for your health? And how should we message it to you with what words will motivate you? And where, are we going to put that message into your life flow for maximal impact? We then apply that. It might be through an Apple watch, Fitbit watch, directly through our meter, a text call, Alexa, HIPAA secure environment, whatever works for you, not for us, whatever works for you. And then we watch, does that actually improve the outcomes? We iterate. So that AI, AI loop, and we have hundreds of thousands of people now using the Livongo solutions for diabetes. And our ability to drive outcomes is become incredible. We have high up promoter scores, sustain clinical outcomes, and we save money. It's very similar to Amazon. When you log into Amazon, you get book recommendations now, and you almost feel guilty for not reading them because they've gotten to know you so well that they've been able to personalize this because they've had many interactions with you, many interactions with people like you. And so we're leveraging that data for the first time in healthcare to manage chronic conditions and giving it back to the consumer. We're betting that people with the chronic condition can and want their lives to be better, and we're doing it to make their lives simpler. So that's the category and description of how that's come about.
0: I love how all of this is coming together in terms of the consumer experience that we're beginning to adapt to having these Alexa voice-activated devices in our homes. We've obviously globally really had a huge uptake in smartphones and now smartwatches, and we're accustomed to having all these interfaces, and all of that's really enabling the sort of solutions that you're working on. I've been involved in healthcare for twenty years and I've been at meetings where we've talked about this as a dream and, and I wasn't even really sure if it would be something that came into reality, you know, during my career or lifetime. So I'm really pleased to see that you guys are pulling all this together. How do you manage all of these different technologies? These are a lot of different pieces that you're bringing together. I want to understand a little bit more about how you really put that patient experience first. How do you run your meetings? What's sort of the culture? What, what are some of the ingredients that as an organization you bring together to really keep that focus on the consumer, on the user, as such a high priority?
1: Yeah, so there's a number of ways that we do that. We have our internal value system. We call them Propel. The first P is for people, and that's putting our members first. We have a corporate objectives and key results. One of our biggest objectives is networking. promoter score for our members we have all of the people within our company make member calls every month so we have episodes where a member may move off the service and every member every employee is given a list of you know two to three or five people to then call to have a conversation with them that keeps the connection very real to the end user Every time we have a town hall, we do this once a month, we start with a member story. Weekly propel newsletters that go out always focus on a unique member, what their journey has been like. And... A third of us within the company has diabetes, and another third have somebody in their family. So we are absolutely mission-driven. We believe that it is the experience that we're giving our members. If we do that experience well, the rest of the business will fall in line. That is our number one objective, and we talk about it. It is one of the most consistent components. If you were to walk into our office and ask people what we care about the most, they'd be able to tell you member experience. They'd also, most people, probably all, hopefully all, would be able to tell you what our mission statement is, which is empowering people with chronic conditions to live better and healthier lives. Not helping. We're not doing anything for diabetics or hypertensive. We are empowering people. And that's fundamental to who we are. And it's very much the core of what we're doing.
0: Hey, I love that you're focusing on the people aspect of it, because again, in your book, you talk about the fact that we're imperfect, right? You gave a very powerful story about your experience having been diagnosed at a young age, being very responsible with managing your condition, also being a mother of, I think it was your third child, and working professionally as well, and an incident you had one evening, which didn't go very well for you. But you are imperfect, like we all are. So, can you explain a little bit about that story that night?
1: I can. So, I had three kids in three years. No, no twins or triplets. There's three individuals, three singletons, uh, in three years. And I was working at a company called Castlight Health, and I had returned to work, and we had decided to take the company public. So, I'm, you know, of a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and I'm nursing our youngest. And I was just tired. And I wear a continuous glucose monitor and an insulin pump. And I just decided to turn off all of my alarms because I wanted to get some sleep. And I woke up and I was surrounded by paramedics. My husband had seen me, you know, in a pile of sweat and called 911. And they came and they asked me to move my arms and legs and I couldn't. They asked me questions and I couldn't get words out. And I thought for a horrible moment I had had a stroke They gave me, it's called an amp of D50, it's a big shot of sugar, and of course my blood sugar came up and I was okay. But the kicker in all of that is that all of this data was being recorded on my continuous glucose monitor that my blood glucose level was undetectable. I had turned off my alarm because again, talking about you can't take a time off, but I wanted to try to get some sleep. And I did, not quite the sleep that I wanted. And so this idea that we could leverage data in the ecosystem and do better than what we had. So the technology capabilities were there, yet there's a lot of other components that need to exist with just the technology to leverage that data, including alert responses, including nudging and behavior and encouragement to the individual with that data. So that was a real moment for me as I started to think about what Livongo was going to do. I didn't know Livongo at that time. But this concept of leveraging data in the ecosystem to empower people above and beyond what the technology capabilities are was one that really stuck for me.
0: Yeah, it was a powerful story, and it just breaks it down to the importance of what you're doing because you're constantly managing this condition, and all you did was you wanted a good night's sleep. It's great to have that personal experience about what people are going through in their lives. Now, you mentioned that you took a company public at Castlight. You were there when that happened. And now you've been at the helm of Livongo as that IPO happened over the summer, July 2019. It was the largest digital health IPO in history. First of all, congratulations on, on that great result. And secondly, why do you think so many organizations and people in the industry were keeping an eye on that performance?
1: So I think that this idea that technology has not yet revolutionized healthcare is very real and there's a world that the market believes it's coming. The work that Livongo has done and continues to do shows that we are leveraging technology capabilities, data science capabilities, and creating a brand new consumer-centric experience. We talked about that being done in commerce and content and community, but we're doing that in healthcare and the market receptivity through that IPO process resonated. again. The market is ready. There is a belief that this is what needs to happen and is what is happening. There's a lot of companies that are following suit that we love. There's a great ecosystem of very smart young entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs, and it's not an age discrimination, people establishing within healthcare a radically different experience following the wake of some of the other industries. Healthcare is hard. It's probably harder than some of the others because of the regulation that surrounds healthcare, but it's coming and it's here. And so I think there's a lot of excitement in watching Livongo go through the IPO process as a marker that the world is now truly understanding that the intersections of healthcare and technology have crossed. It's not tech investors, it's not healthcare investors, there's healthcare technology, and that in and of itself is a new sector.
0: You mentioned in the book about the 3C Peace. Can you explain to us about what the three C's are and how you combat them?
1: Yes, so confusion, complexity, and cost, right? And so there's this idea in healthcare that if you just give people more, that it's gonna make it better. If there's more devices, more medications, more doctors, it's this myth of more. And really what that does is it creates more confusion, more complexity, and increases cost. And so rather than more, we try to give people less, less to do. The name of Livongo is Live on the Go. And when we surveyed people, people with diabetes, they say, look, I don't need new diabetes things. I just want to live my life. Can you just make it easier to live my life? Take away the complexity, take away the confusion, take away the cost, and just let me live on the go. And so that is the, you know, as we go in their in applied health signal category, our guiding principle is member experience. We're not asking people to do new and more things. People with diabetes already have to do a lot. We're trying to take things away from them and make their life simpler. So things such as for our members, they don't get charged a copay for their blood glucose strips. They get free and unlimited strips, right? If you are somebody with diabetes, you understand what a pain that truly is and what a barrier that is for so many people who run out of strips mid-month. Their doctor may ask them to check more often, but their insurance company doesn't reimburse. The strips are expensive. They're on high deductible plans. It is a very real thing. And so these ideas around giving people the ability to do things easier is really the concept to take away that confusion and complexity, which will then drive down the cost.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience that I haven't asked you about specifically?
1: Of course, I always like to speak. Um, I would just like to say that I couldn't be more excited as a, a physician, as a patient, as a mom, as a healthcare executive, as to where we are in healthcare. And I think the speed of change is more on that, you know, asymptote curve going up, that it is really an exciting place to be for all different dimensions of our lives. And I am eager to see where we as a company, but maybe even broader, we as a healthcare ecosystem drive healthcare within the next two to five years. And I think we'll be incredibly proud as a collective we involved in healthcare as we work to make experience and put people at the center and really understand how that works for people. I couldn't be more excited to be a part of the movement and couldn't be more prouder of my colleagues, my friends in the broader healthcare ecosystem.
0: Well, it's been an exciting journey to watch. I can only imagine what it'd be like to be a part of the team and the organization that's bringing that together. So keep up the great work. Real- really pleased to see how successful you've been both in the market and in terms of the impact to real people, the members of your community. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners to pick up Decoding Health Signals, Silicon Valley's Consumer First Approach to a New Era of Health available on Amazon and Audible. And people should go check it out. And also Glenn Tallman's book, which the name is escaping me. Can you remind me the name of Glenn's book?
1: On Our Terms, The Empowered Consumer.
0: Yeah, great book as well. I started listening to that, but after I started listening to yours, so I'll I'll get through both of those. And thank you very much for your work. Thanks for spending time with me, Jenny.
1: Thanks so much for the time. Pleasure to be here.
0: This has been another episode of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Audio engineering was by Ivan Juric. I'm Dan Kendall, and I've been your host. You can find all our episodes on digitalhealthtoday.com as well as on Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep on innovating.